A young man who's having a tough go at life has a bizarre encounter on the side of the road. And then we meet a thief who's good at his job. He cases a place, finds out who lives there, and then slips inside to take whatever he wants. But little does he know that this house he's breaking into tonight has a paranormal guardian. Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day too. I hope you guys are having tons of fun doing whatever you're doing. If you live in a place with a lot of snow, I feel sorry for you. Luckily it has not snowed here yet. Really, really appreciate that weather. Really, really appreciate you looking out for me. I do hate snow. But someone who probably doesn't hate snow, probably someone who's able to exist during all four Earth seasons, running into Dead Rabbit Radio Command. Everyone get on your feet and give it up for Dasha Loses Weight. Woohoo! Yeah! Wee! <laughs> yeah! Running on in, throwing snowballs, bringing in a bunch of snow into Dead Rabbit Radio Command. Dasha Loses Weight recently signed up for the YouTube membership, YouTube membership program, which really, really helps. It's a financial donation each month through YouTube, and you get a cool little icon when you comment, plus you get a shout-out. Dasha, thank you so much for supporting the show. You're going to be our captain, our pilot this episode. If you guys can't support the show financially through the Patreon or YouTube memberships or the merch store, that's totally fine, too. It really, really is. I know money is tight. Just help spread the word about Dead Rabbit Radio. That helps out so much. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell everyone you know. Dead Rabbit Radio is your favorite paranormal show. You can also vote in the Paranormality magazine, Paranormal Podcast of the Month. There'll be a link below. You can vote three times a month. Helps out so much to be up on that top ten list as well. Dasha loses weight. Let's go ahead and get this party started. I'm going to go ahead and toss you the... Keys to the... What if we have not used in a while? I'll just do the Jason Jalopy. I'm going to touch the keys to the Jason Jalopy. We're going to leave behind Dead Rabbit. Command. Drive us all the way out to the highway. Nice, leisurely drive across America's highways and byways. Cars are passing us. But luckily, we're not in a race. The Jason Jalopy is definitely an old car. That's why it is officially a jalopy. Luckily, we're not in a race. Instead, we're driving down this highway, this unnamed highway, to take a look at the story of Jack. Well, that's not his real name, but we'll call him Jack. This took place back in the year 2004, and we see this guy, Jack. He passes us in his car like every other driver on this highway. Driving on the road. Now, Jack is... We've all been there, right? Some of you guys may be there right now. Hopefully not, but... We've all been at a point in our life where just... We're done. We're done. We're done. And that's where Jack was. He was just angry at everything and his situation, where he's at in life, what he sees as the future. All of it. You're just so down. I mean, you're not like suicidal or nothing. (laughs) Oh, you might be. If you are, you know, I'll put some resources in the show notes. There are people 
who can help with that. But assuming that you're just like Jack, he wasn't suicidal. You know, we've all been there. I've been there where you're just like, I don't know what comes next, but whatever it is, I'm sure it's going to suck. And I don't know. I don't know if I can do it no more. He's just so frustrated. So angry, so done. I'm not making that sound effect. That's what happens, though, to Jack. Jack is driving on the road when he hears the very familiar and always unwanted sound of a police siren in the distance. Jack hears the police sirens, looks in his rearview mirror, there's a cop behind Great, you know, like, <laughs> things just couldn't get any worse. Here's this cop coming up behind him, and Jack dutifully pulls over. We all know the drill. He pulls over. And he knows Jack was speeding as well. <laughs> Jack was speeding when you're driving and you're in a bad mood. You're going to be going fast, even though where you're going to is probably just... It's not fun, right? It's not like you're racing down the road to Baskin Robbins. It's not like you're trying to get to somewhere that'll make you happy. Just life sucks. He described it. I like this term he used. He described it as, quote, a bad season in my life, unquote. I like that because it does show it's temporary. But it doesn't mean it's any fun to be in. He pulls over the side of the road. This cop gets out of his car walking on the gravel alongside the highway, walks up to Jack's car. Uh, Excuse me, sir. I'm going to need to see your uh, license and registration. Okay, great. Jack opens up his glove box, starts pulling the information out. Cop goes, you know, uh, going pretty fast there, buddy. Uh, You might be able to get away with that on the I-70, but not here. Thanks for your paper. Let me take a look at that. Jack hands him the paper. Steaming, right? Steaming mad. This is just another thing that sucks about life. When he brings up the I-70, that is in the middle states of America, but it does cross about <laughs> 10 of them, so that might give us a little bit of a gauge of where this story took place. Gotta slow down, son. We take your paperwork. I'll be right back. We're going to run it. Make sure you don't have any warrants. All that stuff. Cop walks back with Jack's license and registration cop walks back to his car jack explains to us he goes i was speeding i was breaking the law and i speed a lot so i know the process cop's gonna run my plates run my paperwork write me a speeding ticket i'll pay it and just go on with my life i've been through this over and over again sign it take the ticket you're back on your journey (laughs) you're all burning rubber speeding away from the cops Catch me now, suckers. But Jack feels like a totally different vibe from this police officer. Yeah, he's going to get a speeding ticket, but there's just something about this cop doesn't seem to be power tripping, doesn't seem to be trying to make a quota. It's just, you know, he's doing his job. Jack was speeding. He didn't feel like a cop. It didn't feel like any of the police officers Jack had interacted with in the past. <sighs> Jack's sitting there, waiting to get his paperwork back waiting to get the ticket so he can continue on his journey. And he's waiting. And he's waiting. And he's waiting. And Jack's like, how, how long is it going to take this dude to give me my ticket? 
<laughs> oh, do I have any warrants out for me? I, I don't think so. What? It's taking this dude so long. And that is when Jack looks up in his rearview mirror and sees something he doesn't expect to see. The cop's gone. He's like, what? What? And he's kind of like looking around. He doesn't see the cop or the police officer's car anywhere. Which could be a good thing. Except for the... And this immediately makes Jack really, really upset. This immediately makes Jack so mad because this would be a time-consuming process, to say the least. Because I look up, I notice there's no police officer. He's gone, and he took with him my driver's license and my registration. So now sucks. I gotta get that stuff again. You know how hard it is to get it? It's not that hard. It's just time-consuming. And he's so mad, and he starts to think, I wonder, this would be a logical thought, I wonder if that was even a real cop. Because every so often you hear about those guys, I almost called them weirdos, but you might be one of these guys. I don't want to insult my police officer impersonator segment of the audience. You ever so often hear about those dudes who dress up as police officers and drive around Pulling people over. It's actually kind of a hilarious prank. You're all writing people tickets and they're like, oh man. And then they go into court and the court's like, oh, we have no record of you getting a ticket. Were you speeding? Because we can give you one right now. No, no, no. I was going to fight it. Every so often you hear about these people getting pulled over by real police officers. And these people <laughs> pretending to be police officers. It is highly illegal. It's like impersonating a government employee. I, I think there might be a specific impersonating a police officer. I wonder if anyone ever impersonates a fireman. It's like you have all your own gear and you wait till there's a fire. <laughs> you can't wait. You're setting them yourself. You're also a pervert arsonist. There's a building on fire in town and you drive there in your own car. You have a little Dalmatian. You have a little Paw Patrol dog with you. And then you jump up and you're wearing all this gear. This would actually be pretty easy to pull off because you could probably buy firefighter gear on eBay. You run up in firefighter gear and you have like a gas mask on and you're like, hello, uh, co-workers, I'll help you. <laughs> this is your first day on the job. You're spraying the water in the wrong house. They're like, ah, oh, what are you doing? You could probably pretty easily impersonate a firefighter. You're running around in your firefighting gear. You're all knocking <laughs> over the ladder. You're like, oh, no, whoopsie, whoopsie-daisy. You're getting all of the other firefighters horribly burned. Probably not. <laughs> if you want to impersonate being a firefighter, you should be a good one. Don't be the Buster Keaton firefighter. But And then after you're all done like helping out with the fire, you're carrying an axe around. You're chopping down doors, pulling people out of the fire. Everyone's clapping. Yay. Your Paw Patrol dog gives you a thumbs up. Then you just leave. Leave the scene before everyone was like, hey, that firefighter guy was super helpful. <laughs> You're driving away, driving away in a little uh, Ford, a little Ford Fiesta. I'm like, huh, what? That's weird. And then you just go back home. And everyone's <laughs> like, why do you smell like smoke? Why do you have horrible third degree burns on your hands? You're like, ah, crazy day, crazy day at the office. And then, you know, you wink at the audience. You could probably do that. You could probably ease, I think on the, on the chain of impersonating things, firefighter would be pretty easy because all you do is spray water and pull people out of burning buildings. <laughs> I mean, it'd be terrifying. Don't get me wrong. It's a hard job. 
But you could just do a lot of push-ups and get yourself physically fit and put on all the gear and a gas mask or a face mask, whatever, and then help out. And then a police officer would be pretty easy because you could just drive your car and say, well, you know, I'm off the clock. I was just driving home, but I have these lights and I have this uniform. Uh, give me your license registration. I think being a ambulance dude would be the hardest, right? You're all, oh, this would be easy. I, this is the easiest outfit. I'm just going to buy some scrubs. And the next thing you know, you're standing in the back of an ambulance and there's just blood squirting everywhere. And this dude's like, oh, I got stabbed. I got stabbed. Also, also, I have three types of hepatitis. I got all of them. You're like, ah, blood's flying in your mouth. Probably not good to do that. Probably not good to do any of them just legally. I'm not encouraging impersonating any first responder. But it wouldn't be that hard to do it. It would be hard to do their job, but it wouldn't be hard to just dress up as them. Anyways, that's what he's thinking. He's thinking, damn it, like, damn it, this guy pulled me over. He wasn't even a cop. That's why he didn't seem like a cop. I kind of picked up on that earlier. And now my license and registration are gone. I got to go DMV. I got to do all this stuff. So he ends up calling 911. Jack ends up calling 911 because he figures at this point he has been scammed at the very least. This guy could be running some sort of identity theft. Like, who knows? He could be waiting for you at home. With handcuffs. He doesn't know. So he calls up 911 and he says, Hey, listen, this is going to sound really weird. It's not technically an emergency, but I'm out here on the highway. I got pulled over by a cop, but there's no cops out here. So the 911 operator starts to figure out if they actually do have an officer out there. And she says, There's no cops in the area. The closest one to where you say you're at is 20 miles away. And, yeah, now he knows what happened. Now he knows that a fake police officer pulled him over. And this dude has Jack's driver's license and registration. And that makes him even matter. Being pulled over, get it, it would make you matter than just getting a fake speeding ticket. You can take care of that. Now he's going to have to take a day off work to get all this stuff processed. He's going to have to drive without these documents. For probably a week at minimum. And he's so mad about this whole situation. And the night he has to hang up on 911. Right before he starts saying. I'm going to kill the guy. I'm going to kill the guy when I find him. He gets off the phone. And he's furious. And he's like. I cannot believe that this has happened to me. As mad as I am. I cannot believe. And then he looks. And sitting on his dashboard is his license and registration. You would have all sorts of questions. You would have all sorts of questions about what has happened in the previous minutes of your life. But the second he saw that paperwork, it wasn't about questions. It wasn't about what just happened. He said... I immediately felt this huge weight lifted off of me. He started to feel comforted. He started to feel calm. He began to feel, for the first time in a while, happy. He said, quote, It was the most surreal thing that had ever happened to me, mostly because I never felt such a weight lifted from me. It was almost like the message was, calm the hell down. 
he felt like he was being told to not take things so seriously. He does ask all of those questions, like what happened? This happened back in 2004, and he's still trying to figure out what happened on the side of the road. He doesn't know if it's a ghost. He doesn't know if it's a guardian angel, alternate dimension. He doesn't know. But he knows that it happened, and he knows the effect it had on him, and it actually regulated him emotionally. It was like a circuit breaker went off. It was such a bizarre encounter, and it actually made him calm down to the point where the bad season began to come to an end. And he was able to once again be happy with what was going on in his life. He likened it to like a practical joke that his dad would play. So just like, dude, don't take things so seriously. And and it's super fascinating because I love paranormal stories like this because the stakes are rarely low. It's not a family trapped in a haunted house. It's not some teenagers messing with the Ouija board. It's a story of a man who is just so angry, so down on himself and life, but it just took this weird moment to kind of re-regulate his emotions. And, and, and this is one of those paranormal stories I love too, because how would we classify it? You could say guardian angel. I don't think it's an alternate dimension. It could be a goat. I mean, like, it could be a lot of different things. It doesn't really fit into any boxes. The fact that he gave the paperwork, that's a pretty, like, if this is a ghost, that'd be a pretty powerful entity where you're handing them paperwork and then they take it. They take it. First, they'd have to manifest a police car, take the paperwork. I know that's like people online, they were discussing it. They thought maybe there was an officer who had died on that road. And it could be. All of those things could be true. But I love this story because it's a story about. A young man snapping out of it. It has a happy ending. Fascinating story from the world of the paranormal. A story, a positive encounter with something beyond understanding. And a message to ourselves when we're in those dark times. Sometimes those dark times are brought about by true life tragedy, of course. But other times they are kind of in our own making. And if we're in a bad mood, everything we see is going to reflect our bad mood. Sometimes when we have a negative view of the world or a negative view of ourselves, it can make you look for the worst parts of everything. But if you try not to take things so seriously, those little minor inconveniences just kind of fade from view. Dasha loses weight. I'm going to go ahead and toss you the keys to the carpenter copter. We are leaving behind this highway. Oh, and let me say too, Jack posted this online as Dismissus 1980. So thank you so much. Really, really enjoyed that story. Dasha loses weight. I'm going to go ahead and toss you the keys to the carpenter copter. We are leaving behind this highway. Fly us all the way out to a sleepy little neighborhood. I want to do a really quick Dead Rabbit Radio Recommends. I haven't done one of these in a while. I watched this movie the other night. It's pretty popular. It's out right now. I've heard a lot of scuttlebutt about it in the horror movie community. It's called Talk to Me. And apparently it was directed by these two kids. They're like YouTubers or TikTokers or something like that. Uh, Danny and Michael Philippow. And I heard nothing but good stuff about it. 
Finally watched it on Amazon Prime. And, you know, I love independent horror movies. I love first-time directors. I love watching all this stuff. Um, Very, very good, creepy movie. And what I really enjoyed about it is... So the, the setup is there is a hand that is like a psychic's hand or a medium's hand that was severed and then coated in ceramic. And now it's become a party trick where everyone pulls out their phone and they log on to TikTok or Snapchat or whatever, and you videotape people getting possessed <laughs> getting possessed by ghosts as they're playing around with this mummified hand. And what's interesting, I was watching it and I go, filmmaking-wise, very, very well done, especially for first-time directors. But I'm not scared of it. Because it doesn't exist. Which is funny because... So it has to do with a lot with ghosts. Which I do believe in ghosts. But I was like... I'm watching the movie and I go... This movie's creepy. But this thing doesn't exist. This mummified hand that you can hold hands with. And then you say, talk to me. And then like a random ghost will appear in front of you. I go, oh, it's interesting. And it's really interesting that it's like a thing trending on TikTok. But it's not, th- it's not scary, because it doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. It'd be the same thing if I was watching a movie, and they're like, oh, this magic wand was made by a cursed leprechaun, and if you hold it... I mean, it's still a good movie, but it doesn't scare me, because that wand doesn't exist. I guess a ceramic hand could exist, sure. But it didn't... I wasn't scared of the device. But when I finished the movie which had, you know, scary parts in it, but I was like, I'm not really scared of this thing. As I finished the movie, I watched it pretty late at night, and I'm getting ready to go to bed, and I'm shutting the lights off in my place. It's kind of looking over my shoulder. It's kind of looking into the darkness. And that is a good horror movie, right? Even when you're like, I just can't exist. It still creeped me out. And one thing I really liked about it, the acting was on point. It was Australian, which I didn't expect. It was an Australian film. First time filmmakers. Really good cast. Really good story. One of the bleakest horror movies I've seen in a long time. By the end of the movie, you're left feeling sad. you, You just feel kind of sad after the whole thing plays out. So, so if you're looking, you're like, wow, Jason, I wanted to see it until you said that it's that bleak, made you feel a little depressed. Talk to me. Dead Rabbit Radio recommends Talk to Me. Dasha loses weight, is flying this carpenter copter over this neighborhood, and go ahead and land right there. We'll jump out of the carpenter copter, and the first thing we notice is that this is a real sleepy neighborhood. It's late at night. Most people are asleep. Perfect time to burgle them. So pull, pull down your face mask. We're all wearing our ski masks, or you can wear one of those purge masks that lights up all purge style, all neon style. We're going to break into this house. A couple different ways in. You can bust the window. If you do that, I recommend using a piece of porcelain. 
I, I I won't say that I've used them, but I, generally, they're. I know they work against. This way, I know they work against car windows. If you throw a piece of porcelain at a car window, it will spider web. Little, even though car glass breaks into like little tiny cubes, when you touch enough of them, your hands will start to bleed. Probably should wear gloves. But anyways, if you throw a piece of ceramic at a car windshield or or the driver's side window, all that stuff, it'll spider web, and then you can just walk up and you just push it, and it'll just collapse. Uh, you can go to like an art supply store and buy ceramic. But you can also just take spark plugs. You can take a car spark plug. Using a car, using a piece of a car to break into a car, that's meta. Uh, spark plugs have a little bit of ceramic on them. You can break the ceramic off a spark plug and use those as well. I don't know if that'll work against a house window. I will assume, yes, I will assume that it will also spiderweb. But you can use glass cutter. Some, some thieves are pretty... Uh, I used to have a glass cutter. You could literally just go... It's like drawing a line. You have to use a little bit of force. You have to make sure you don't have the entire window fall on top of you as you're trying to cut a little hole in it. But you can use that to break into a house. I think nowadays a lot of people just use bump keys, which is one of the most terrifying things. If you know the type of key, and and most houses have the same basic, like, I don't know, five or ten different key shapes. You know what their key shape is. Generally, you can make a bump key where you take a key you make a key and then you shave down you shave it down to like the smallest available bumps on the key i'll put a, I'll put a video on the show notes if you're interested on this but anyways you make basically a counterfeit key and you stick it into the lock and then you pound the key really hard with like a rubber mallet and then the locking mechanism the little teeth in the lock will fit into the lowest keys and then you can open the door it's that that's a little noisier right pounding on a door with a rubber mallet you can do that it's a lot easier it's a lot quieter but we're going to take a look at a thief two thieves actually who broke into the wrong house the first one this guy he you got to case a house before you break into it that's another thing some people can spend a couple days Looking in, watching. <laughs> they catch you, you're all wearing a ski mask, staring at them as they're watching television. You want to know who is in the house that you break into. You want to know who's there. That's why drug dealers get robbed all the time, right? Because they generally have traffic in and out of their house. So dude that's hanging out over there, and maybe, like, you know, you go over there with your girl. She knows the dudes. Because you're not going to rob your friend. People do it. But you go over there with your girl, and she's picking up some weed or something like that. And you get to see, okay, there's two dudes in this house, right? You see one of them go into the down the hallway into the back bedroom, and then he's coming out with the little bag. So you know that's where they keep their stuff. Most drug dealers, they usually have a safe or something like that. They keep their money and their drugs in the same location just for ease. You have one thing that you're opening up. You're pulling drugs out. You're putting money in. So you see someone go into the back bedroom. Okay, well, that's where they keep their stuff. I mean, you shouldn't let... Stranger, you shouldn't let strangers into your house if you're a drug dealer, but you can't really sell drugs without letting strangers in your house. And then one night you go in and you know who you're facing down. Like, there's two dudes there. They're constantly playing Madden all day long. They're stoned to the gills. You know the layout generally, right? You come in with a ski mask. Some of them will look through the people. Some of them won't. And some of them might know it's you, right? Some of them, I mean, obviously you're standing there. They're like, uh, are you so-and-so's boyfriend? 
shut up. Give me this stuff. Okay, you know, you're just it's part and parcel of being a drug dealer. You're going to get robbed from time to time. But if you're going to be the thief, you got to know who lives there. We're about to take a look at this guy. Let's go ahead and call him Mike. Mike says, I'm at this particular house and looked around a little bit. Didn't see anyone up. Didn't see anyone up moving around. It's late at night. Perfect. They're asleep. Possibly even they're not even home. There might not even be anyone in this home. And it might even be that this house is abandoned. But he's looking in and he's seeing stuff. And he goes, even if it is abandoned, they might have left something behind. Because he can see other things in here. It's not like cobwebs and vines are overtaking the house. So walks through the front door. This is another thing. Before you break out your bump key, before you try to shatter a window, before you do any of that stuff, just check to see if the door's open. Because a lot of people... Leave their doors unlocked. It drives me up the wall. I refuse to be over at someone's house who does not lock their doors. I lock my door to take out the trash. You just walk up, turn the knob, and a lot of times you can just walk in, and that's what Mike did. He walked up, and he turned the knob, and the front door was unlocked. He's like, oh, that's perfect, putting away all of his tools. He opens the front door, and he walks inside. He takes a couple steps and then sees something out of the corner of his eye. He turns and he looks, and the window that he was just staring into to see if anyone was home, anyone was awake, any signs of life. He turns and he looks, and standing in front of that same window is a old woman. A frail, elderly woman just standing there, staring out of that window. Staring out into the neighborhood that is completely enveloped in darkness. Mike said, I bounced, I ran, I write, go, go straight, here's the thing, here's the thing. Elderly person, elderly woman in this house at best, which would suck anyways. Who wants to rob stuff from an elderly person? But the worst case scenario would be a ghost. And that's kind of what he was thinking. Because she was not there just moments ago. And one thing everyone knows about old people, they're slow, right? <laughs> even if. Even if she woke up and walked and got to the window, she wouldn't have been able to do it that fast. He took off running. But that's not the main story we're going to look at. We're going to take a look at the story of this man we'll call Paul. We'll also visit another house in this neighborhood. Now, Paul specifically is breaking into the house he's breaking into because he knows there's only one person living there. And it's an elderly woman. He cases the place and he goes, oh, perfect. Like, what's the worst that can happen? She's screaming, stay away from my hard candies and my photos of my grandkids. She poses zero threat to him. I mean, of course, she can call the, she can call the cops and they can shoot him to death. But he's not worried about that. He goes, I'm breaking into this house. There's this old person there. And he goes, they're not going to... Pose any resistance to me. Paul's a real class act. Just prepare for that. They're not going to pose any resistance to me. Um, they can't. They physically can't. I'm looking in this woman's house and I see that she's up really late at night watching television. Old people are generally hard of hearing. She television's up loud enough that I will be able to walk around her house. She won't know it. Even if she does see me, elderly people are slow. Even if she does go to call someone, I'll be out of the house by the time she picks up the phone. What's she going to do? So he sneaks into the house and he goes, sure enough, the television is playing 
full blast. This woman must be deaf as a deer mouse. He walks in. He starts stealing some silverware from her kitchen. I don't know. I don't know if he came equipped with a burglar bag or if he was stuffing them in his pockets, but he was stealing her silverware. That's when he hears a really weird noise from the living room. Can't really place it. It's not coming from the television set, but he can't figure it out. And he looks into the living room and he sees that this elderly woman is having a seizure. And he's standing there with a bag full of silverware. And he's like, oh my God, (laughs) this is horrible, right? I'm going to steal from an old lady, sure, but I can't just let her die. I'm not a monster. I will steal from the elderly. Steal her most prized possessions passed down from family member to family member. But I'm not going to let her die. So he picks up her phone and calls 911. But he doesn't say anything. Calls 911 and then he goes and he hides in the closet. Because he knows with a house phone they can triangulate where the call's coming from somebody's going to come out there to check on her. And he goes, I got into the closet and he says, it was one of those ones with like the folding doors. So like the two doors fold open and they have like the blinds on them. So he's in there and he's kind of like, kind of can see out through the blinds, but it's not like he's some sort of peeping Tom, at least not that he admitted to. So he's not like creeping on this old lady, but eventually he does see after a period of time, the flashing lights of an ambulance he does start to see the flashing lights of first responders this ambulance pulls up these two paramedics get there and right when they pull up he hears the ambulance stop the old lady stops having a seizure so she's just sitting there and there's a knock on the door and the old lady she opens the door and she's like uh what are you guys doing (laughs) What are you guys doing here? And they're like, well, we got a 911 call. I don't know if the cop showed up as well, but maybe he did just go send more doctors. <laughs> maybe, maybe he did specify no cops. Don't send cops. I don't know, but the paramedic showed up and the old lady was like, why are you guys here? And they're like, well, we got a 911 call. We're here to check it out. And she's like, no, no, I don't. Must have been a mistake. I'm just sitting here watching television. Paramedics are like, oh, okay. Have a great day. Everything's okay? Yeah, yeah, everything's okay. And they're like, okay, have a great day, ma'am. Or night, as it is. And she shuffles back to the couch. And she sits down, starts watching television again. And Paul is about to step out of the closet when all of a sudden he hears that weird noise again. And he kind of looks through the cracks and he sees the old lady is once again having a seizure. Damn it. (laughs) Right? He just wants to steal his stuff. So he sneaks back out of the closet, calls 911 again. Paramedics show back up. Same thing happens. The second the ambulance pulls up outside, she stops seizing. And paramedics come in and they're like, listen, we've now gotten two 911 calls. She's like, I don't know who's calling 911. It's not me. Everything's totally fine. Paramedics leave, and again, I mean, this would all be solved very easily if Paul could just jump out of the closet and say, hey, listen, guys, she's having a seizure. She's not remembering it. 
I'm the one calling 911. <laughs> He's wearing all this burglar gear, holding a bag of silverware. Uh, he can't. So the paramedics leave. He goes, once they drive away, she starts having a seizure again. And he goes, okay, this is just ridiculous. I'm going to have to come up with a new plan to figure this all out. What I'm going to do is, like, call 911 and maybe leave a note to your friendly neighborhood burglar. He goes, I can't just keep hiding in this closet. I can't let this woman die. She's not remembering she's having seizures. I don't know what's going on. I'm trying to figure out a plan. Maybe I will just leave a note and slink away into the darkness. And as he's trying to decide on his plan, the old woman stops breathing. Calls 911 again. The paramedics come to the house. They knock on the door. No answer. She's still laying there. She's not breathing. So the paramedics come in, and sure enough, they see her there, and they start to perform life-saving measures. They put oxygen tank on her, and they start getting her ready to roll out of the house. I mean, super interesting from the paramedics' point of view, right? They've been called to this house, and now this is the third time you see her uh, near death. They have to wonder what was going on, but they put because as far as they know as far as they know there's nobody else in the house right so they put an oxygen tank on her and they take her away and paul comes out of the closet and he says i earned this <laughs> he's shaking the bag of silverware i earned this tonight i just saved a woman's life if i had not broken into this house she would have died like he was pumped he said the adrenaline was flowing through his veins and he goes not only am i going to take her silverware i'm going to take everything because now definitely the house is empty i mean it's all of her possessions but he goes i just came in for the silverware but i earned everything i steal from her tonight because i saved her life he goes i'm going to take everything i'm going to go through her jewelry boxes I'm going to find any cash that I can. Anything that I can carry that's of value is gone. And that's when he hears the front door start to open. And he just kind of stands there in the darkness waiting. Slowly takes a step back into the closet and quietly shuts it. He said, I saw the paramedic walk back in. Because he had left the bag. There, he left a bag of supplies there, and the paramedic walks in, grabs his bag, looks over, picks up the remote, shuts off the television set, and starts to walk out. Paul's watching all this through the little cracks in the closet door. He goes, I watched this EMT start to walk out, and then out of nowhere, all of a sudden, I see this old man just appear and the old man pats the paramedic on the back and whispers something in his ear and paul said that when he saw this old man appear and pat the dude on the back and whisper something in his ear he goes the emt didn't react to it at all he didn't get spooked he didn't turn to see what was whispering it was almost as if there was nothing there 
He said this old man touched the EMT, said something to him, whispered right into his ear, but the paramedic just stepped out of the house, walked back out to the ambulance. The old man then glided, that was the term he used, glided to the front window and stared outside. Stared out at the ambulance that now contained the old woman and the paramedics. The man stood in front of that window and he just waved. He just began waving goodbye. And then he simply disappeared. Not a second passed. Paul said, Instantly, instantly, the old man is waving goodbye as the ambulance pulls away and vanishes. And within a millisecond, Paul feels a presence inside the closet that he's currently hiding in. He feels something literally breathing down his neck. He can feel warm breath brush against his skin. Get out of my house. Paul heard the voice loud and clear. He didn't turn to look. He didn't try to question it. When he heard the voice say, get out of my house, he said, I ran out that front door not caring if every cop in the county was standing outside. He said, I don't care if anyone sees me. I don't care. I just want want to get out of this house. He said he ran out full speed. He goes, I was sobbing, crying, praying as he sprinted down the road. Paul ended his post by saying, quote, to this day, Whenever someone says scared straight, I try not to remember the sound of that old man's voice. But I always do. Super interesting ghost story. It's funny, this is one of those stories that to me, I've had this ready to go for months. And it's one of those stories that is such a classic ghost story that it really... I'm really afraid that it's fake. Like I've had this story ready to go four months, and I'd sit and I'd look at it, and I really love this story. But I, I try to pick stories that are true. And a lot of them we can't verify. Paranormal stories in and of themselves are one or two people experiencing something. Sometimes we have great stories that involve a haunted house and multiple people in them over a period of time. Sometimes it's just a single witness. And this is one of those stories where I went online and I looked through this guy's posting history. He posted this story online underneath the name uh, Lodovico Specs. Looked through his posting history. It's like, what other... Because this happens more often than not. I'll find a really cool ghost story and then I'll look at their posting history and they've posted three or four of the most ridiculous ghost stories possible. 
And then I have to dismiss the one cool one because I go, well, these are all ridiculous. Now, the first one was already teetering on the edge of believability, but that's a lot of paranormal stories. And then I see that there's once one time a long time ago, someone was talking about like her favorite food was corn. And then one day, like corn was falling from the sky. I was like, come on, this is made up. This is made up. I looked through his posting history and mostly conspiracy stuff and political stuff. We couldn't find any other paranormal stories. This came because someone asked the question, criminals, what are your experiences with the supernatural? And you had a series of people kind of talking about stuff like this. Those are the two best ones that I found in the thread. It's such a classic ghost story. It, it seems like it could be fake, but I couldn't find any proof that it was. I couldn't find any proof that it wasn't either. I mean... Obviously, this guy wasn't going to say who he was or exactly when it happened in the neighborhood, all that stuff. He is a thief. I wonder if he still is a thief because he talks about being scared straight at the end. It would make you a little less likely to break into people's houses after having an encounter like that. Unlike the first story, this one would be pretty easy to kind of suss out what was going on. Assuming the story is real, you have a deceased man looking out after his wife. The old man was saying, get out of my house, because he realized that Paul was going to rob his wife blind. Like, could you imagine that? You're, you come back from the hospital after almost dying, and your house has been ransacked. It would answer those questions as to who was calling 911. She comes back to her house, and everything's gone, then the mystery of who called 911 multiple times is solved. There must have been a burglar in the house who was calling 911. This is very interesting now to think about it, too, because there's two versions of the story, and they both seem paranormal. One is the story of Paul, who's trying to break into her house. Well, he has. He's trying to rob from her, and he ends up calling 911 but not saying anything multiple times, and eventually that leads to her living. But then to the old woman and her family members, let's assume that she has children and grandchildren and all of that. When the old woman's in the hospital and her family comes to visit her, they'll be like, well, what happened? And the doctor would go, well, luckily the paramedics came to pick her up. Someone called 911. And they called her multiple times. I guess your grandma was having a seizure. And when they came back the last time, she stopped breathing. And the grandma's like, I don't remember none of that. I didn't call 911. From the family's point of view, that's nothing but a miracle. That's really interesting to think about it because they would have the 911 calls. And they may even go, oh, that was that was your old husband. That was Grandpa Joe looking out for you. He must have called 911. Because how else would the paramedics have known to come out there? They would see it as a paranormal miracle. Even if they thought it was Grandpa Joe or just something else, they would see that as a miracle that their grandma was saved. On Paul's side of the world, Paul's point of view is just the, it's just a spooky ghost. The, the ghost didn't show up until the ending of the encounter. The ghost just got rid of him. But you'd have two points of views, two stories involving the world of the paranormal, both taking place in the same house, but neither side really looks at it that way. His, the family wouldn't think of a burglar. There'd be no reason to think of a burglar because the burglar ran away. 
I'm assuming he didn't even take the silverware. He's such in a panic state running down the street. So they would have no clue. Or maybe they find a bag of silverware in the closet and a big piece stain. But other than that, they'd really have no clue there was a burglar in there. And then to wrap it all up, you have the interesting story about what did the old man say to the paramedic? Like the paramedic did not react to the touching or to the whispering in his ear. He just grabbed his bag, shut off the television, and walked out like nothing. I don't even think he was saying there's a guy hiding in the closet. I think the grandpa wanted to handle that on his own. I think he knew exactly how to get that dude out. But it's funny to think that entity, that ghost of that old man, he could have scared Paul the second he stepped in the house. But this, now that I'm even talking about this story, I really, really hope it's real. Because you're looking at all these different levels that aren't expressed in the story. But when you think about it, had this old man ghost appeared any earlier, Paul would have left and the old woman would have died. If Paul walked by and he saw an old man standing in the kitchen when he was casing the place, he probably wouldn't have broke in there. Because now you got two people you have to try to control. If the very first time he's hiding in the closet and the old woman's having a seizure and the voice said to get out of my house, Paul's gone. Paul had to play a role that night. He had to be there all the times that she started to have a seizure, which I don't think was paranormal at all. I think that was just an old person having a seizure. And I think she was snapping out of it and not remembering it. Everyone had a role to play in that. And if the ghost had scared Paul off too early, the woman would have died. But yeah, I wonder what the the old man said to the EMT, like, what was that message? Was it an affirming message? Was it something that the old man knew that the paramedic had to hear that night? Their grandparents who died years before are still thinking about him or something like that. Like, it could have just been a thank you. <laughs> it could have just been this old man saying thanks. But a fascinating ghost story, for sure. That is one of the Dangers of this job, I'm always threading that needle. Some stories are too good. Some stories I look at, and like I said, I've had this ready to go for months. Uh, some ghost stories, I'm really, really like, oh, I hope you're true. <laughs> I really, really hope you're true. you got to take a chance every once in a while. If it turns out to be fake, then I apologize for wasting your time. But if it is a true story, it definitely is the definition of being scared straight. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash DeadRabbitRadio. TikTok is at DeadRabbitRadio. DeadRabbitRadio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day. I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great